0: Hello, this is Pastor Patrick Hines uh, coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio this time. I'm supposed to be heading uh, back home to Tennessee tomorrow. Uh, My mother is is coming back here, but I wanted to go ahead and do a live program. Probably be kind of short today because I kind of got my hands full here. Uh, I'm still trying to get a sermon ready for Sunday. I think I'm just about done now. But today I wanted to do a, a brief program on Christianity and liberalism, Jake Russell machin and the church. And I listened to an excellent uh, podcast on Reform Forum uh, where uh, John Muther and Danny Olinger uh, came uh, on this program uh, and were interviewed by the host. I, I don't know much about Reform Forum. I've listened to stuff they've done in the past, and it's typically been pretty good. So I, I think it's a pretty good podcast from what I've heard. But I was just you know, loading up some podcasts because it's a five-hour drive from uh, where I live in Tennessee to get here to Cincinnati. And so I had a bunch of podcasts and I brought a couple of my, my daughters with me and they were in the backseat puttering around. And I brought a, a big Bluetooth speaker and set it in the passenger seat and was listening to podcasts. And the stuff that they covered in this program, and I've got it linked in the description here, um, was really, really good and really useful because... Um, it's always encouraging when someone who's really great, like Machen um, you find that you actually think a lot like they do about something in particular uh, because I have had so many conversations um, with ministers in the PCA uh, and other places, other larger reform denominations that are drifting to the left. And there's an argument that is very common. Uh, That's being used today, and it's very common today, and it's not new. People said the same thing to Machen 100 years ago, and these guys bring this up, and they're talking about it um, on this program. I wanted to play some clips and offer some of my own commentary, but basically the argument goes like this. The argument goes like this. As denominations begin to drift left, ministers, elders, stop being Presbyterians, and they adopt a functional independency. And they'll say, look, we have our church. Our church is a good church. We're Orthodox. We're, we don't buy any of this critical race theory. And we're not willing to you know, go into this statement on recon, racial reconciliation. And we don't buy into the side B celibate gay Christianity stuff. We, we don't buy any of that. I've got my church, I've got my presbytery. My church is a good church, my presbytery is a good presbytery. And Machen points out, pointed out long ago, it's not an option. So Machen points out that you know one of the big problems that they were facing in the mainline denomination there is that they, the way he actually puts it is great companies of non-Christian persons have been admitted as members of the church and have not been admitted to teaching offices in the church. And Machen says that uh, we cannot adopt a functional independency. We can't do that. And what he means by that is you cannot adopt the mentality. Well, I've got my church and I've got my presbytery. My church is orthodox. My presbytery is good, solid, and we don't go along with this other stuff. Machen points out that is not an option because that is an abandonment of being Presbyterian. And he calls that a failed corporate witness. That is our corporate witness. That's why I could tell long ago when I used to sit in Presbyterian meetings in the PCA, I used to kind of do a 360 swivel on my head, like stuff was being said. And I'm like looking around going, am I the only person in here that thinks like this? I think I might be because really good guys think like that. Guys that are a lot older than me. We'll look you square in the eye and say, look, I've got my church. I've got my presbytery. I don't worry about what's going on in the General Assembly. As long as they don't require us to give them money to promote this bad stuff, um, we're just going to, we'll just hang out because I've got my church and I have my presbytery. Machen faced the exact same argument and he points out that is a failure to understand what Presbyterian polity is all about. You can't do that. You can't go into a denomination or stay in a denomination when you know entire presbyteries and entire swaths of that denomination are going progressive, are tolerating so-called gay celibate Christianity, are tolerating critical race theory, are tolerating the ordination of women to the office of deacon and things like that. You can't have the mentality that I've got my church, I've got my presbytery, and therefore because we would never do any of that stuff. We're, we're good. And you know, most churches are, you get this argument too. Most, most PCA churches and most of these churches are rural anyway, and they don't really even keep in touch with the rest of the denomination. They don't really even talk about what's going on. They just kind of have their church and their Presbytery, but that's not an option. If you are a Presbyterian, you can't deny the fact that you're part of a larger corporate witness to the world. And if the rest of the church is going haywire. You can't hide behind your church and your presbytery. And I want to tell you, I've had many conversations with uh, guys that I used to be in, in the PCA with who say that exact thing. And I actually, I didn't realize that Machen brings that up. He said, here's here's an option that people are talking about. Here's one thing that they're saying. Well, our church doesn't go along with the, the critical race theory. Our church doesn't go along with the LGBT stuff. Our church is strong on creation. We don't tolerate 15 views on creation and millions of years on We are solid on all stuff. Our church is good and our presbytery is solid. And therefore, we're just going to hang around um, because we have a good church and a good presbytery. That's not biblical Presbyterianism. Machen calls that functional independency. Always remember there's three basic types of church government no matter what church you're in it holds to one of these three there's either um, uh, independency which is kind of like most Baptist churches are independent they don't uh, have any. there's no ecclesiastical authority outside of the session of that church if they even have a session but the ones that practice biblical church government at least to some degree will have a plurality of elders so there's independency or congregational, that those are the same thing. Then there's prelacy or rule by bishops, which is what you have in the Methodist church and the Church of England, Roman Romanism, which is not a Christian church, but they practice prelacy. And then there's what the Bible teaches, presbytery, where you have the, the session of the local church, the elders of the local church. And then there's the regional church. For my part, I am a member of New Covenant Presbytery. I'm not a member of Brittle Heights Presbyterian Church. I'm, I am a member of the presbytery of the regional church. And I think that's what uh, Scripture is talking about when it speaks about the church in Jerusalem. Remember, there were thousands of Christians in Jerusalem after Pentecost, and they didn't all go to the same building or the same synagogue. They would have been scattered about in a bunch of different smaller local churches. But the church in Jerusalem would be the the regional church or the presbytery. Okay, and I think you see that you see that throughout the rest of, of Scripture. But I wish I, I wish you all could hear the clips I wanted to play. As I said, I, I tested the audio, and it did pick it up when I, I picked it up nice and clear. But apparently when you're going live, uh, you can't hear it. But I, I linked to it there in the chat. In fact, let me see it's over here in the chat. There's Susan. Hey, Susan. Susan's got a, uh, a notepad and a pencil, looks like. That's cool. There's Paul Garvey from England. Man, what time is it in England right now? <laughs> uh, yeah, and Cat444. And there's Daisy. Hey, Daisy. And that's it. Okay. Um, thank you all for, for being over there. But let me just make a few more comments about this. Machen was a, a true churchman at heart, and he understood the value of the corporate witness of your denomination. Now, when we were still in the PCA, there were actually people that came to me um, and told me they were embarrassed uh, to be in the PCA. And it's because they were thinking like true Presbyterians. They were thinking like true Presbyterians, because at that point, the denomination was allowing for openly homosexual pastors. It still was. You can still say that, and even though they've overtured the BCO and got an amendment to it or something, but that amendment never needed to be added in the first place. You already had everything you needed to get rid of people that say they're, they're homosexuals, and they didn't. They didn't. Uh, one of them voluntarily left, but I know there's a lot more that are still in there that are still making those claims, and <clears throat> the, the notion that our church, we would never do it, And the the presbytery, our presbytery is good. Uh, Our presbytery is solid. We would never allow this kind of thing. Um, But yeah, we realize the General Assembly is doing stuff. We're going to hang around unless they try to force us to do bad stuff. But you see, the thing is, the the further left a denomination drifts, um, it will begin to give birth to stuff that is against orthodoxy, that is actively campaigning against it. Um, and that's what happened uh, in the mainline denomination. And that's why Machen, although he did fight the good fight there, he eventually had to leave and he had to form the OPC. And I do know from the stuff that I've read about his life that he was very disappointed at how few churches left with him. And the thing is the mainline denomination that the, the PC USA at that particular point had gone liberal. I mean, if you're, if you're willing to be part of a denomination that says it's okay to deny the virgin birth of Christ, to deny the substitutionary atonement, uh, to deny the the essential truths that make us Christians by believing them, then in what sense is this even a church? Why would you want to stay? Uh, is my question. Uh, but as I said, when I was um, in the PCA a few years ago, I was in the PCA for eight, eight or nine years, I think it was. And... <clears throat> I could tell I was one of the very few people in the room um, at Presbyterian meetings that thought like this. But I thought a lot about the fact that there's a corporate witness that we're tolerating that is not tolerable. And it is not okay for us to be in subjection to these brothers. That's one thing that is also left out. I've I've talked to fellow ministers uh, in the PCA about this uh, long ago and actually recently talked to one about it. When you take your ordination vows, you take it. You promise God. Do you promise to be in subjection to your brethren? You say yes to that. You're you're swearing an oath before Almighty God. And I, I I said to this brother, I said, do you not realize that you are in subjection to men who promote sodomy, who are saying that men should embrace this as their identity? You are now part of a church court. That embraces this. And he said, No, 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 we're we're not in subjection. I said, Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You took a vow. Do you promise subjection to your brethren? You said yes. If you didn't say yes, you wouldn't be a a part of the of a presbytery. And so Machin understood the seriousness of these doctrinal defections. It's when these when these defections start happening, they need to be dealt with. And they need to be dealt with quickly. That's one thing. It's a running joke in Presbyterian circles. And I, I used to chuckle when I used to sit at Presbyterian meetings and hear this joke. Ah, Presbyterians take forever to do anything. They just take forever to do anything. And uh, I was thinking about how unbiblical that is. Uh, listen to the Apostle Paul when he was faced with very serious error. A very serious error that was related to the gospel. And I would say, if you get sin wrong, if you don't even know what sin is, uh, that is a gospel error because now you don't even know what people need to repent of. But listen to the way Paul described it. See, see if Paul, if Paul was sitting at a meeting and people started joking about how, yeah, it takes us years to get anything done. I wonder if he would have chuckled at that. Listen to what he says here in Galatia, to the churches in Galatia when he wrote Galatians. And they their errors were destroying the gospel. He said, this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. To whom we did not yield subjection even for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. And he says later in the book, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And I want to say, yeah. A little leaven will leaven the whole lump, especially if you let it sit there leavening the lump for eight years. Yeah, it's going to leaven everything. And it's going to desensitize everybody to everything. When people defect from the faith, if the courts of the church will not discipline them or deal with them, and every single person involved in the Revoice conference should have been brought up on charges and defrocked like that they should have been stripped of their ministerial credentials and that's the end of it and it should have been a slam dunk it should have been easy the conference was an atrocity nate collins and greg johnson and all those speakers are advocates of a different religion than me whatever it is that they're they're pushing and promoting it ain't christianity and it's not what the bible says and the the utter disrespect to the text of scripture that went on in that conference, it's all coming back to me now. I helped write, I helped write our presbytery report that nobody read um, on that issue. But the massacre, the the total disrespect of scripture that happened um, was was absolutely appalling. Um, and they just embraced it. They just embraced uh, hook, line, and sinker. Homosexual homosexuality is a real thing. Uh, people are just, you know, that's just the way they are. Uh, there's no possible way of repenting of it. And you just have to embrace it and embrace a single celibate life. I'm l- like thinking, that's a death sentence. That's a death sentence. You know, I pointed out in a sermon, so, someone actually got upset at me for saying this. But I said, look, if someone is telling you they're gay, first the first thing you need to do is tell them, no, you're not. Stop saying that. You're lying. You're lying. Well, but but adopting, owning the sin is the first step to overcoming it. No, it's not. No, it isn't. Paul said in Romans 6:11, reckon yourselves, conceive of yourselves to be dead to sin, not, not dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ, not gay in Christ or a thief in Christ or an adulterer in Christ or an alcoholic in Christ or a porn addict in Christ or any sin in Christ, a thief in Christ. Dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. And I pointed out: if so, even if someone is saying that they are a homosexual, if they're a professing Christian, if they don't have the gift, that special gift that's spoken of in 1 Corinthians 7 of lifelong celibacy, um, they should get married. And someone said, why would you tell a homosexual to get married? I said, you're not listening to me. Listen, there's no such thing as a homosexual. The first thing someone needs to recognize, R.C. Sproul, you know, pointing this out to people that would come to him, um, is saying that they were gay. He would tell them, no, you're not. God has equipped you to be a man. God has equipped you to be a woman. You can act the what God has asked you to be, what God has equipped you to be. You know, I've had a couple guys come to me now too, have come to me telling me they have ongoing struggles with uh, same-sex attraction at times, and I've let them know you are not gay. There's no such thing. You crucify that desire just like any other sin in your life. It's unnatural. It's a violation of God's law. It's a violation of the created order itself. And you need to follow the Lord and obey him. And both of these men, and it almost brought tears to my eyes. It still almost does when I think about it. They both said, Thank you for helping me understand there's no such thing as being gay. And I realized I'm not now and that I've been deceived. And they both asked me to pray that God would bring them a godly wife. I just thought, Isn't that encouraging? One thing, one of the last speeches I ever made in the PCA when I was at Presbytery, and this—I know this angered some guys, but I, I felt it needed to be said. I said, "The God that is being presented by these speakers at Revoice is not the God that we worship, because for some reason He's not able to liberate people from this sin. Oh, He can liberate them from anything else except this." I said, "That's not the God we worship. There's no this. This sin has no special status. It has no special power." over any other sin, and people were liberated from it in Corinth, just like every other sin. You know, 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11, through great passage. Such were some of you. Uh, fornicators, adulterers, sodomites. I mean, he mentions both arson and the, the uh, active and passive partner and homosexual. He mentions them both, along with drunkards and everything else, just pointing out, these are the sins that you used to live in. These are the sins that used to define your existence, but they don't now. Such were some of you. But you were washed, you were justified, you were cleansed by the uh, Lord Jesus and the spirit of our God. And so if you're going to allow people to get away with that in the courts of the church, their sessions, their whole presbyteries won't discipline them for, for such obvious sins against their ordination vows against scripture against our confession against the book of church if they won't deal with them then i I have to ask the question what good is the denomination then you know i used to think if the pca was going to go wacko it would be over you know some kind of very subtly worded false gospel like federal vision stuff federal vision intermingled with new perspectives on paul and You'd have defenders trying to find ways of massaging language to make it sound orthodox and others that would uh, massage it even more to make it sound like it's okay. But I used to think, okay, it'll be something like that that'll destroy the denomination. But if you stood up and told the whole world you're gay, that you would definitely be dealt with. (laughs) It's like, no, you can do that too. You can do that too. As happened. Uh, as happened in the PCA, and I, I've played uh, Greg Johnson's speech is out there. In fact, here will, I'll link to it. Uh, you, you can watch this. Left, if the internet will work here, I will try to find this here. Here's YouTube. Okay, and I would encourage you to uh, watch this. Watch this speech. Um, I can't play it for you. Um, I actually did a whole podcast on the worst of the, the PCA uh, General Assembly from 2018. Um, but I know um, PCA ministers who were good guys um, told me that after the speech, they got up and left the room and have never looked back. They left the denomination after hearing the speech. So I'm um, posting it. I just found it here. Please, please listen to that. At some point, it's only, uh, I think it's five minutes long. Yeah, it's five minutes long. Please go listen to it. And you need to you need to know, that guy was charged with nothing. He got away with everything he said, all of his argumentation. And in fact, he was applauded for that speech. Now, Machen knew that people were arguing, as they argue today, look, my church is good. We're not like that. Um, my presbytery is solid. We would never tolerate that. Machen points out that's not an option. That is not an option if you're a Presbyterian. That is a functional independency. And we can't do that. We absolutely cannot do that. Because to do that, Machen said, is to bear false witness. It's a false corporate witness. If we know that there is serious false teaching going on somewhere in our denomination, we've got to deal with it. And the thing is, a zillion presbyteries did that and tried to to submit overtures. We submitted an overture to investigate and to deal with this plain and obvious defection from the faith that's been going on. I mean, at the Revoice Conference, they had three Roman Catholic speakers there. One of them was a monk. One, a monk. And I'm thinking, okay, you had a monk from the Catholic Church. You also had a woman who identified as a, a lesbian Roman Catholic woman spoke at your conference and was put up there in front of God's people as an adequate spokesperson for the cause of Christ. And they were found guilty of nothing. Nothing. They made some errors in judgment. But are they really guilty of anything? Do they betray the gospel? Um, Their presbytery said no. And the SJC of the PCA upheld their, their ruling. They're fine. So I'm wondering, what in the world do you have to do in the PCA? To get in trouble. What do you have to do? Stand up and denounce all this stuff? I bet you'd get in trouble if you did that. (laughs) It's It's absolutely unbelievable to me. But I just want to address my brethren. I hope that some of my PCA brethren that I know listen in to some of these will hear my heart here. You cannot hide behind your church and your presbytery just because you guys are orthodox and would never, never do this or promote it, and you you think you're presbytery, we would never do this or do that. There is a corporate witness of the denomination. You can't tolerate it. There's a corporate witness, and it's a false witness against God. Okay. Let me see. What else. Are. Yeah, it must have been good because you were cracking out. It is good. I am so disappointed you can't hear that. Maybe if I played it on my phone. Um. Um, I think, okay, I'm going to try I'm gonna do this. Let me see if this will work and I need you all to, to listen in here and see if you can hear this. Um, uh, sorry, this is really off the cuff. I really, really was hoping you would get to hear this. Um, where is it? Where is it? See all, I need to see all the episodes of this. No, it's the one on Christianity and liberalism and the church. Ha, there it is. Yes, this one. Let me see if I can I like the uh, piano music they've got here. Okay, let's uh, let's back you all tell me if you can hear
1: this, please. 159 along those lines. Uh, you know, Machin explains that at least in his estimation the contemporary church had become compromised by admitting, and he quote and I quote him, great companies of non-Christian persons. Not only into her membership, but into her teaching agencies, end quote. And then he kind of expands on that, at least for the next. Did you
0: hear that? Machen said in 1923, in 1923, he says, well, the church has made an error in allowing great companies of non-Christian persons into its membership and its teaching agencies. Now, listen to what he goes on to say.
1: Seven pages uh, in various ways, talking about how to resolve it, talking about the future, and really, I guess, hoping that uh, that the liberals would just leave, kind of <laughs> form their own church. At least uh, we have talked in previous chapters,
0: uh, but they're not going to do that. You have to bring charges against them and get them out. And if you can't charge someone, if you can't charge someone with the most obvious false doctrines, then what good is your presbytery? What good is your denomination then if you can't do that?
1: About how the Unitarians who you don't agree with at all, at least they had the decency to kind of do their own thing, right? They try to yeah. co-opt the Presbyterian church, but truly this isn't an exaggeration. I mean, we have we have all sorts of really non-Christian thought. Jesus isn't the only Savior or the mm-hmm. only you know, it's a, it's a vast inclusivism. Yeah. That is at work in the in the PCA and the moderates. Um, maybe they don't personally believe all of those things, but they're more than willing to tolerate them for other for other reasons.
0: And that's the problem. That's what we learn in Scripture. We're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to tolerate that stuff. You got to go after it and get rid of it because a little leaven leavens the whole lump.
2: Right. In fact, Vichin uh, in this chapter anticipates. Another option for moderates. Listen. Um, Some, he said, uh, might gravitate towards a functional independence. (laughs) My church is orthodox. My presbytery is sound.
0: I have heard so many good guys say that. Now listen to what they say. Machen understood that's not an option. And these guys here understand that's not an option. Listen.
2: Now, um, I can't I can't um but think that he has the likes of Clarence McCartney in view here. Mm. But this is not a presbyterian option. That it makes it clear. This mm-hmm. is a um this is a fragile counterfeit and uh, unsustainable piece. Hey, Amen. That's right. And he's going to prove to be completely prophetic he on did. that point.
1: He did. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the way my church was growing up. I grew up in the mainline, and well, in the PC USA, and as far as PC USAs goes, very conservative. I imagine a lot of CRC people have this similar experience, at least back in the seventies and eighties,
0: where it was a rural church, but uh, they, you know, this again, I have heard this so many times. It's just. <laughs> Most of the churches are rural. they are little churches out in the countryside. They're conservative. They're fine. And it's okay that the General Assembly is doing all this wacko stuff. No, it's not. And it's not an option to stay.
1: The Other f- than the fact that they're egalitarian, um, that they, they're Calvinists, a uh, five-point Calvinist pastor held to the inerrancy of scripture, but functionally independent because they just said, well, you know, as long as they're Presbytery or the denomination doesn't make us, do things that we think are incorrect or against the Bible, then we'll hang around and we'll just, we just won't send our money to them. Right. <laughs> and, and so it's, and, it, I
0: have heard this so many times a uh, hundred years ago, people were saying the same thing and Mason's telling them, it's not an option guys. You can't do this. I I said the same thing to my brother. That's not an option.
1: In that sense, you really cease to be Presbyterian. That's right, and that's just you know, as you indicate, not an option for me.
2: It's not, and of course, eventually the denomination will make them do things Mm -hmm. against. (laughs) Eventually, the conscience clause is always um, always has an expiration date. Mm, yeah. Mm, good and
1: point. that church, for for anyone that cares, is the church where I grew up. Has since left. Uh, they, they joined the EPC in the early, well, yeah, twenty okay. tens or thereabouts.
2: So. And the language Mason uses here is corporate witness. It's the corporate.
0: Okay, you got to get this. You hear this stuff about corporate witness? Listen to this.
2: Witness of the church, um, the um, all the offices of the church are responsible for the teaching from all the pulpits. Um, And uh, he writes, no, you hear that?
0: All the teachers in the church are responsible for all the teaching from all the pulpits. You cannot say, I got my church. I got my Presbyterian. We're good. You can't do that. I'm going to back up just a little bit here. and
2: Listen to that again. It's the corporate witness of the church. Um, The, um, all the offices of the church are responsible for the teaching from all the pulpits. From all of them. That's um, right.
1: That's and right.
2: Uh, he writes, no individual is walking upright according to the truth of the gospel. If he acquiesces in a corporate witness, that is false. And that's why I left.
0: And that's why I told the elders long ago when we left the PCA, I said, guys, I can't stay here. I will not be part of a false corporate witness like this. I will not do it. Year after year after year, these guys are still there. Oh, we would never promote any of this stuff. Oh, we would never do it. You are part of a false corporate witness. Listen to that again.
2: For the teaching from all the pulpits. Yep. Um, And uh, he he writes, no individual is walking upright according to the truth of the gospel. If he acquiesces in a corporate witness, that is false. Mm, Amen. Uh, And so you can't hide behind your congregation, or your presbytery. What were other voices saying at the time?
0: As I was driving driving here, I was like yelling amen, and my little girls in the back are like, Dad, what are you doing? So that is so right on the money. No one is walking upright in accordance with the truth of the gospel if they acquiesce in a corporate witness that is false. So if you're in a denomination that lets pastors tell the whole world they're sodomites and you think, I've got my church, I've got my presbytery, You can't hide behind your church and your presbytery. You can't hide behind your congregation and your presbytery. You either go after it and get it out or you get out. Okay. Well, I've got other stuff I need to do. I need to check on my dad make sure he's doing okay. He had uh, kidney dialysis yesterday. Um, but my mother's coming back from Alabama and her 100 year old mother is still, still alive. Um, they all went down there because they thought for sure she was going to go on to glory, but she hasn't. Um, so my mother's coming back here when she gets back, I'm leaving to go back to Cincinnati tomorrow, but, uh, I wanted this to be about a half hour. So I thought that was good, but please, uh, that, that link, um, I think I, yeah, I did, I did put it in the description. So go listen to that whole program. I know it's kind of lengthy, but reform form does really good work. The, podcasts I have listened to by Reform Form are really good, um, but that one, um, Christianity and Liberalism in the Church, was like, wow, it was so good. Um, and so much of what they said was stuff that I tried to convey to my brethren, um, much to no avail. Um, but anyway, okay, let me see who else is here real quick. Um, there's Oscar Fabi. Ecclesiastes is a wonderful book of the Bible. Yes, indeed it is. Um, that fire portrait in the back is a huge statement because you because your videos have been as the teens uh, say, now the day is fire. Yeah, okay. Maybe I should get, see if my parents will let me. I have no recollection of that. They just moved into this nice uh, condo here. I And I recognize everything on the walls in the house, except that. I don't know where they got that or when they got it, but that's a cool picture. I like it. Uh, it's good. It's good background. Okay. Uh, actually, I never thought about app- applying that verse to the speed of presatory before. Yeah, Cafe Queen. It needs to be applied to the speed of presbyteries in dealing with false doctrine because you can't take years and years and years to deal with it. Paul says we didn't, as soon as we heard the false gospel, we didn't yield subjection to them even for an hour, not one hour, let alone years and years. Okay. Thank you, pastor, for telling the truth. Amen. We are dead to sin live in Christ Jesus. I will tell people this. I have to repent and stop compromising people. There's not such a thing as gay. That's right. R.C. Sproul said it so well way back. It's probably in the 70s or 80s. He said, the first thing we have to get across is a direct quotation. The first thing we have to get across to people is that intrinsically, inherently, biologically, there is no such thing as a homosexual. I'll say it again. Intrinsically, inherently, biologically, there is no such thing as a homosexual. Homosexual describes behavior and desires, not a state of being. No more than adulterer describes a state of being or a thief. If if you say someone is an adulterer or a thief or homosexual, you're describing patterns of behavior, not something about their ontology or their being. But that's why the term has been co-opted for uh, a number of decades. Sadly, uh, the Christian church by and large, including the Reformed church, um, has allowed the world to define the terms of the debate instead of scripture. And that's why we're losing that debate. 1970s, workers of iniquity changed the term homosexual to gay. That's right. They stole the word gay. Did you know that AIDS um, used to be called grids, gay related immunodeficiency syndrome, grids? And then it was changed to acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. Uh, that was on purpose as well. Most denominations are going the way of the world. Yeah, they are. Uh, you can hear, you can hear, you, we can hear. Yeah, I was glad to see that. I'm glad that that came through. Hopefully, it was it was clear. Um, okay. Uh, here's the reason. Well, what's the reason? What is the reason? Is it because, is it what I'm saying? Is that what you're saying? Okay. Uh, Peter Griffin, keep up the good work. You, thank you, sir. Appreciate your encouragement. Um, that's why our church left the church of England. Good. Yeah. The church of England is, is a, is a cesspool of iniquity and there's Wesley Putnam. He's been on here before, it's good to see you again, sir. righty, I need to go check on, on my father. Uh, but thank you all for uh, being here and, uh, I've persevered, um, and have been able to get podcasts out every day. I did two yesterday because I missed Tuesday, I think. But I think they're all on schedule. And they're all out there. So love you all. Thanks for being here. Oh, there's Colin. Colin, I see you, brother. I, I'm supposed to see you this weekend. Actually, you're coming into town. So uh, I will see you and um, Sarah Grace. And I'm looking forward to that. So I love you all. Have a good um, rest of your day. And thank you
2: all for watching or for listening.